Hi, and thanks for listening to our Pension Risk Transfer Podcast, Institutional Insights. My name is Dave Wagner, and I'm a Senior Distribution Associate on the USPRT team. In this episode, I'm joined by Aisha Paitel, New Business Origination Lead in our UK PRT business, and Alex Gagnon, Distribution Manager in our USPRT business. Today, we'll be discussing the top 2023 PRT trends expected in both the US and UK markets and reflect on the achievements and challenges of 2022. Welcome, Aisha and Alex. Both UK and USPRT markets experienced a very busy year in 2022. Can you both give me an overview of both markets and some of the key takeaways from 2022? Alex, let's start with you. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Good good to be here. Uh, In 2022, uh, the biggest story really was the size of the market. I think we are estimating uh, the market to, to to have seen about $53 billion in sales this year, which is a, a new record, um, easily easily surpassing the prior record, which is for 2021, which is with $38 billion. Um, a, a big reason for that number of sales was the IBM transaction, which was a mega jumbo deal, uh, you know, that took place in the fourth, the third quarter, sorry, of uh, 2022. That was $16 billion. That was the that was the largest transaction since 2012. Uh, that was a GM transaction back then. So you know, if if you have a uh, 16 billion dollar transaction, that's really going to help drive sales in a given year. But what we've also seen is we've seen an increase in volume as well on the smaller end of the market. So you know, what we're really seeing is kind of across the board more volumes this year, which is a bit healthy. Uh, seems like a healthy trend. Uh, one other trend or one other takeaway from this year which was interesting to note was the the volume of sales was a bit more evenly spread out throughout the year. Um, historically, the fourth quarter would get a bit crowded or, or busier if you want to really kind of high demand in the fourth quarter. And that would sometimes lead to, you know, insurers not having the capacity to to, to meet the demand. Um, so you'd see a bit less uh, participation on certain transactions because insurers just have to be a bit more selective as to what they participate on. So, and I don't know if that's going to be a trend for years to come, but it was interesting to see that for for 2022 because a more evenly, um, a more even demand uh, might you know allow insurers to to basically really participate or or provide the capacity on the, all the transactions that they would like to. Wow, thanks, Alex. Yeah, it sounds like the U.S. market's really experiencing some great growth, you know, particularly given some of these larger transactions in the market. Uh, Aisha, could you please give us an overview of the U.K. market in 2022? Sure, thanks, Dave. Um, it's been a really another really strong year in the U.K. market. Um, we're expecting to see volumes of just below 30 billion or so. So just waiting for those final numbers to, to be announced by um, the, the different insurers. You know, on the face of it, that would suggest that this has sort of been the fourth best year um, on record. However, that's sort of masked a little bit by the the economic backdrop where we've seen rising guilt yields, which has meant that liability values have come down. So transactions sort of towards the back end of last year will have looked a lot smaller than if they'd been done sort of one or two years earlier. I think if you sort of normalise for that and, you know, you look at sort of old money terms, then it's probably the sort of second best year on record. So really another absolutely fantastic year for, for the UK PRT market. So rising guilt yields have meant that liability values have shrunk, but we've also seen improvements in funding levels as well, because the shrinking of the liability values has actually outpaced the decline in asset values. And so funding levels have generally improved as well. So what that means is we're potentially going to see a huge step up in demand going into this year and and the following years onwards. Hmm. Thanks. Thanks for that context, Aisha. Um, So, Alex, uh, I understand there's an increase in demand for de-risking 
options in the U.S. as well. Can you just tell us a bit about what's driving that in the market? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's in the in the U.S. I think there's like there's like the couple the 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 old traditional factors that have been driving the demand for for a number of years now. Is one is you're looking at you know employers are sorry are really moving away from the defined benefit space. It's no longer used as a you know part of the compensation the total compensation package. Um, so what that means is that it's it, it's more of a uh, of a you know a liability sitting on the balance sheet and 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 there's costs associated with it and and those costs are also rising they've also have increased over the last you know 10 years uh one one measure that that a lot of people kind of refer to is uh in the US the plan sponsors need to pay an annual per participant or per member fee if you want uh to the pension benefit guarantee corporation uh PBGC and you know those fees have increased over the last years, um, you know, we're looking at 2023. That's about $96. Well, about it, it is $96 per per participant. It was it was $35 per participant in 2011. So that's almost triple that. So I think you know those factors have been driving demand for for quite some time. Uh, another factor is basically just the the normal, you know, the normalization of the market. If you want, you know, since 2012, where you've seen. Uh, GM and Verizon come to market. We've seen a steady increase in in volume year over year, um, with a lot of uh, with a lot of transactions making headlines. You know, you're looking at IBM last year. You're looking at Hewlett Packard uh, two years ago. So you have 10 years of transactions. I think we've seen constant growth over the, uh, over the years since then. And I think you've seen a lot of like transactions make make the headlines and be in the press. So I think a lot of plan sponsors are more, a bit more comfortable now with these types of transactions. Um, and then lastly, I think, you know, a key word is, and then Aisha, you mentioned this as well, is, is what could be, you know, a catalyst if you want in terms of driving the demand. It, it's the improvement in funded status uh, overall as well. It made it across the pond as well for us in the U.S. Um, but I think that the interesting thing is it's, it's not only that like the funded status has improved, it's that funded status have improved during some crazy volatile years, right? If you're looking at over the last two years, the markets have been, you know, up, down, um, and so for a lot of plan sponsors to find themselves in a better funded position, you know, against that backdrop of like economic uncertainty and also like looking ahead, it's not like there's a clear picture either. So I think a lot of plan sponsors can look at this and say, maybe now is a good time to, uh, to either partially or fully de-risk my, my plan through a plan termination. Awesome. Thank you both. Um, so it's pretty clear that both UK and USP or T markets, you know, achieved a lot last year. Uh, you know, on a more personal level, what are some of the, the business highlights you experienced in 2022? Alex, you know, maybe let's start with you again on the US side. Uh, I, yeah, 2022 was a, was a, a year to celebrate. We had a historic year. We, we met the, the historic threshold of $2 billion in sales, uh, which was a, a record for us. Um, and along the way, we picked up our two largest transactions. Um, we won this this past year as well, both over 500 million. So, so it was very nice to to have a great year in in a year where the market in in general did did very well. Aisha, anything on the UK side you want to add there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, fantastic to see the US business doing so well. So great to hear that from Alex. I mean, on the UK side, you know, we again, we feel like we've had a very strong year here in uh, the UK team. I think also, 
we have continued to write a business as a whole of market provider. So again, servicing the much smaller end of the market and also those at the larger billion pound plus end of the market as well. So a really great outcome for us across the board. Um, we also continue to innovate and uh, try to look for new solutions and new ways of um, of meeting clients' needs when they come to, to want to do a, a bulk annuity with us. And then finally, I think it's probably also worth mentioning that we are celebrating 35 years in the bulk annuity market in the UK, uh, something we you may have heard us mention over the course of the last <laughs> year. Um, uh, we did our first transaction back in 1987 with a publishing company called Routledge and Keegan Paul. And really, uh, it's fantastic to see how the market has shaped up since then and how it's grown both in the UK and obviously overseas as well. That's awesome. Great to hear about both markets. So. Aisha, changing gears a little bit here, uh, at the end of last year, you wrote an article for professional pensions called the top five UK PRT trends in 2023. Mm -hmm. Can you just please talk us through a few of those trends and what we're expecting to see this year? Sure, no problem. Um, I'll, I'll save everybody talking through each each of the five trends uh, in a lots of detail. Uh, the, the article is out there to, to read, but you know it's probably worth starting with saying that you know the industry expects 2023 to be a, an absolutely record-breaking year, um, predicting that you know it will surpass the levels that were written in 2019. So that's a sort of 44 billion. And really, with that that sort of backdrop, it's um you know we've pulled out a few trends that we we're expecting to see come through. I think the first one uh, that I would highlight is probably the the sort of shift towards full scheme transactions. So as we've already said, scheme funding levels have improved significantly across the board from small all the way up to the, the big transact, the big, uh, the big schemes. And so we're really seeing that schemes that thought they were probably five or six years away from their end game are now much, much closer and are able to afford full insurance or, or just about there. So definitely a, a sort of shift towards the full scheme transactions. I think something to draw out as part of that is that we will expect to see, you know, that in itself can bring some challenges. So schemes that may have had, you know, a liquid asset holdings that have timed the runoff of those liquid assets with their sort of end game journey plan might now find that they are in a position to do a transaction, but still have some, you know, a significant proportion of these assets. So really, I think we'll see, a, you know, another trend where insurers are working hard to come up with solutions for schemes to use those liquid assets in the purchase of a bulk annuity in the most sort of cost efficient way. So I think at the larger end, we are expecting to see a return to the, the mega deal. Uh, so 2019 was characterised by the mega deal, where there was sort of six transactions over the two and a half billion pounds. And I think we are expecting this year to, to yield some transactions that are you know, even potentially bigger than that. Um, so we were interesting to see how those schemes um, approach the market, especially in a market where we're expecting to see increased demand. Um, you know, we potentially will see schemes, you know, taking a slightly different approach to markets so more of a partnership style whereby they work with an insurer and an insurer in a sort of open and transparent way to try and achieve their, their buyout objectives. So, yeah, definitely seeing more at the, the larger end and therefore probably a lot more bespoking of solutions um, given the sort of complexity that you tend to see on, on larger schemes. And then just moving Moving away from the larger side a little bit, I think we're expecting to see some some streamlining and standardisation at the smaller end. You know, generally speaking, in a busy market, smaller schemes tend to get crowded out. And I think in the UK, around 75% of schemes um, have 100 million of, of assets or less. So a huge number of schemes in the UK fall into that category. And I think us, alongside other insurers, are considering how they can service that end of the market. And therefore, we were expecting to see more streamlining and standardisation to sort of improve efficiency and therefore increase capacity for, for the smaller end. So that's probably just a few of the things I'll probably pull out pull out from the from the article that we, we put together. Uh, thanks. Thanks for sharing. So 
You know, with with the increased demand expected, um, it sounds like there may be a concern around insurer capacity mm-hmm. in the UK. Do you have any idea of how insurers are you know expected to cope with that increase in demand? Yeah, I mean, very fair question. They're definitely expected to be quite a, a step up in that demand and therefore potentially, uh, you know, create some challenges when it comes to insurer capacity. You know, it is a huge and exciting opportunity, but we do think, need to think about how we're going to be able to, to meet that. You know, a few things I can probably think about, are, you know, obviously insurers are looking to grow their teams. So, you know, the human resource aspect, humans are involved entirely, you know, through the entire process and therefore, you know, from the pricing side all the way through to post-execution, um, we and others will be looking to, to grow their teams to, to meet that capacity, to meet that demand, sorry. And then other areas, you know, looking to technology and processes, how can we make those, you know, more efficient? How can we improve the pricing process, for example, in order to be able to quote on more transactions and improve our capacity that way? And then finally, I think, you know, with the sort of commented already on the sort of mega transaction return, I think a lot of insurers will be thinking about how they can, um, increase their capacity when it comes to writing these large transactions, and it really will be thinking outside of the box there and coming up with you know very bespoke solutions in order to increase their capacity at that the larger, much much larger end of the market as well. So probably lots of different areas that insurers mm-hmm. are looking at in order to try and you know do that, get that step up to increase their capacity. Awesome, thanks, Aisha. It's great to know you know we're we're, we're thinking about the, this trend and focused on supporting our people through what's expected to be a record-breaking year in the UK. Um, kind of turning to the US side, Alex, uh, what trends are we expecting to see in uh, the US market this year? Yeah, I, th- I think for 2023, I think right now at least what we're seeing is like expect 2023 to be a little bit like 2022, right? The momentum from 2022 is carrying over. I think we're what we're seeing is similar trends in the sense of more, you know, the larger transactions, um, and and continued increased activity in plan termination. So, which seems to follow a little bit along with with what Aisha was was mentioning before. Um, I think you know I will. Do the 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 usual caveat with you know uh, economic the you know if there's a recession hitting who knows you know a lot of people are talking about that it 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 could impact things you know we don't know or we don't know if it would and and how it would impact it but I think as far as you know what we're seeing in terms of trends um, you know expect expect a little bit of more of the same so it could be another uh, another very very busy year for us in the U.S. Thanks, Alex. With both markets experiencing increased demand this year, what should trustees or sponsors uh, consider when coming to market in 2023? Yeah, I can take that one uh, first. At least I'll go first. Um, I, th- I think preparation is key. I mean, it sounds like a, an old cliche. Uh, take my I answer, think... Alex. No, I'm kidding. Sorry, but I, th- I think I think we're going to have very similar answers. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd say you know I think I think preparation just makes everything easier. Um, you know whether it's looking at your your data and making sure that your data is is you know complete and accurate. I think that will facilitate things. I think uh, maybe in terms of I've, I've alluded to the fourth quarter being usually a bit more crowded in the market. So if if there's a way to plan around potentially not you know doing a transaction during that time, you know maybe that that will help. But I think a lot of it comes down to working with a an annuity placement advisor and and working with a new placement advisor as early as you can because i think th- there's a lot of experience now in the market as i said many times during this podcast you know it's been 10 10 plus years of, of, of very large uh, volumes in the us and so people have been doing this for a while now and you know people have a good sense of 
what needs to to be you know what how to prepare for these transactions so i think if you if you work with a new placement advisor you're uh, you're, you're in good shape great I'll, I'll add on to that i think there's probably very little uh, to really add from the uk perspective you know it's very very similar to the the areas that alex touched on there i mean we bang on about it all the time and i think it's very well trodden path as well in the uk but preparation is key and i think even more so in what is going to be an extremely busy market Engaging early with insurers and being able to demonstrate that you're sort of transaction ready in the context of your data, your benefits, your governance structure and your understanding of you know, affordability is going to be pretty critical um, when coming to the market. And I think these are these are all areas that the experienced advisors will be, be able to help um, trustees and sponsors understand. Got it. Makes sense. You know, uh, thank you both. Um, it's been you know, very informative hearing both your perspectives. Uh, so we have one question left before we end today. Um, you know, kind of a broad one. Uh, where do you see the PRT market in five to ten years? You know, Alex, maybe we'll start with you here. Yeah, um, this is this is my kind of question. I love these kind of questions because <laughs> five years from now, I, I'm probably going to look at this clip and hopefully not laugh too hard at how wrong I was. But um, the, <laughs> I think I think the, <laughs> it's hard to predict the, the next five to ten years. But I would say one thing we know for sure, right? I think I feel very confident about is is that the man is there. I think you're looking at the the U.S. TV corporate assets. Um, it's about three trillion dollars, right? The, the so we we sold 53 billion in total as a market last year. That's not even two percent of, of of all of that. If I'm doing my math right, so you know one thing I can say is like five to ten years, I would I would expect more record years. I don't think 53 billion will be the record, um, you know, five years from now. But you know, I'm going to answer your question with I guess more questions um, <laughs> is what is that demand going to look like? That's that's going to be a very interesting thing to see. It could, you know, I think Aisha, you mentioned it like the in the UK, there's like a lot of like mega, you know, transactions coming up. I mean, the US also has very, very large pension plans. Uh, are we going to see more of those mega deals? Um, you know, so is that going to be a bit more of a lumpy if you want type of type of uh, growth in annual sales um and the other piece is how how are insurers going to meet that demand so are we going to see we already have over 20 insurers in the market right now are we going to see some new entrants to to meet that capacity um are we going to see some some reinsurers enter the space as well provide reinsurance and are we going to see you know again to your to your point i should like this is a, a very um a ripe opportunity for innovation how are we going to be you know servicing a, a, a 20 billion a 30 billion dollar transaction um in, in the future so i think i don't know if i really answered your question by asking more questions but i think that's kind of how i see how i think about it so alex um that, that's that's really helpful uh aisha maybe you can help answer my question with a little bit of the perspective <laughs> i was on the gonna UK say you're, you're, you're probably not gonna be that pleased with my answer either because i'm not gonna put any numbers on it but you know going back sort of if i was to sit here a year ago and say what do i think the next five to ten years would look like you know i would expect demand and that's demand rather than actual bulk annuity volumes to increase you know over the next five years a decade with a sort of peak more in the latter parts of the 2020s i think having just sort of given the highlights there around you know improved funding levels we're very much seeing that come forward so that rise in demand will happen quite sharply and, and will be much sooner than what was sort of looking you know we were predicting potentially at the beginning of last year you know 
will I put some numbers around that? Because ultimately, it'll depend on how the insurance market can increase their capacity in order to step up to that increase in demand. So that will be something that, you know, we'll be interested to to see. So, yeah, maybe maybe I'm sort of uh, <laughs> not really answering your question either. But I think really, ultimately, all market participants are going to be extremely busy over the next five to 10 years. It's going to be a case of us all working together to find the best way for, you know, the market to seize the opportunity and also for us to be able to deliver, the, you know, the best outcome we can for trustee sponsors and, and their members. Awesome. Well, it's an exciting time. There's no doubt about that. Mm. So thanks, Aisha and Alex, for your time today. It's evident that 2023 will be an extremely busy year for both the UK and US markets. For our listeners, if you'd like to find out more about PRT trends in the UK market, as mentioned earlier, Aisha recently published an article called Top UK PRT Trends in 2023, which can be found on our UK PRT website. We'll also be publishing our Global PRT Monitor shortly, which provides more insights into the UK and US PRT markets. You can subscribe to Institutional Insights via Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Legal and General Retirement America is a business unit of Legal and General America, Urbana, Maryland. Legal and General America life insurance and retirement products are underwritten and issued by Banner Life Insurance Company, Urbana, Maryland, and William Penn Life Insurance Company of New York, Valley Stream, New York. Banner products are distributed in 49 states, the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. William Penn products are distributed exclusively in New York. Banner does not solicit business there. The Legal and General America companies are part of the Worldwide Legal and General Group.